0: CHAPTER Thirteen. I found my lady in her own sitting-room. She started and looked annoyed when I mentioned that Sergeant Cuff wished to speak to her. "'Must I see him?' she asked. "'Can't you represent me, Gabriel?' I felt at a loss to understand this, and showed it plainly, I suppose, in my face. My lady was so good as to explain herself. "'I'm afraid my nerves are a little shaken,' she said." There's something in that police officer from London which I recoil from. I don't know why. I have a presentiment that he's bringing trouble and misery with him into the house. Very foolish and very unlike me, but so it is. I hardly knew what to say to this. The more I saw of Sergeant Cuff, the better I liked him, "'My lady rallied a little after having opened her heart to me, "'being naturally a woman of a high courage, "'as I've already told you. "'If I must see him, I must,' she said. "'But I can't prevail on myself to see him alone. "'Bring him in, Gabriel, and stay here as long as he stays.' "'This was the first attack of the Megrims "'that I remembered in my mistress "'since the time when she was a young girl. "'I went back to the boudoir.' Mr. Franklin strolled out into the garden and joined Mr. Godfrey, whose time for departure was now drawing near. Sergeant Cuff and I went straight to my mistress's room. I declare my lady turned a shade paler at the sight of him. She commanded herself, however, in other respects, and asked the sergeant if he had any objection to my being present. She was so good as to add that I was her trusted adviser as well as her old servant, "'and that in anything which related to the household "'I was the person whom it might be most profitable to consult. "'The sergeant politely answered "'that he would take my presence as a favour, "'having something to say about the servants in general, "'and having found my experience in that quarter "'already of some use to him. "'My lady pointed to two chairs, "'and we set in for our conference immediately. "'I have already formed an opinion on this case,' "'says Sergeant Cuff,' which I beg your ladyship's permission to keep to myself for the present. My business now is to mention what I have discovered upstairs, in Miss Verinder's sitting-room, and what I have decided, with your ladyship's leave, on doing next. He then went into the matter of the smear on the paint and stated the conclusions he drew from it, just as he had stated them only with greater respect of language to Superintendent Seagrave. One thing, he said in conclusion, is certain. The diamond is missing out of the drawer in the cabinet. Another thing is next to certain. The marks from the smear on the door must be on some article of dress belonging to somebody in this house. We must discover that article of dress before we go a step further. And that discovery, remarked my mistress, implies, I presume, the discovery of the thief. "'I beg your ladyship's pardon. "'I don't say the diamond is stolen. "'I only say at present that the diamond is missing. "'The discovery of the stained dress may lead the way to finding it.' "'Her ladyship looked at me. "'Do you understand this?' she said. "'Sergeant Cuff understands it, my lady,' I answered. "'How do you propose to discover the stained dress?' "'inquired my mistress, addressing herself once more to the sergeant.' "'My good servants, who have been with me for years, have, I am ashamed to say, "'had their boxes and rooms searched already by the other officer. "'I can't, and won't permit them to be insulted in that way a second time. "'There is a mistress to serve. "'There is a woman in ten thousand, if you like.' "'That is the very point I was about to put to your ladyship,' said the sergeant. The other officer has done a world of harm to this inquiry by letting the servants see that he suspected them. If I give them cause to think themselves suspected a second time, there's no knowing what obstacles they may not throw in my way, the women especially. At the same time, their boxes must be searched again for this plain reason, that the first investigation only looked for the diamond, and that the second investigation must look for the stained dress. I quite agree with you, my lady, that the servants' feelings ought to be consulted, but I am equally clear that the servants' wardrobes ought to be searched. This looked very like a deadlock. My lady said so in choicer language than mine. I've got a plan to meet the difficulty, said Sergeant Cuff. If your ladyship will consent to it, I propose explaining the case to the servants.' "'The women will think themselves suspected directly,' I said, interrupting him. "'The women won't, Mr. Betteridge,' answered the sergeant. "'If I can tell them, I'm going to examine the wardrobes of everybody "'from her ladyship downwards, who slept in the house on Wednesday night. "'It's a mere formality,' he added, with a side look at my mistress. "'But the servants will accept it as even dealing between them and their betters, "'and instead of hindering the investigation,' They will make a point of honor of assisting it. I saw the truth of that. My lady, after her first surprise was over, saw the truth of it also. You are certain the investigation is necessary, she said. It's the shortest way that I can see, my lady, to the end we have in view. My mistress rose to ring the bell for her maid. You shall speak to the servants, she said, with the keys of my wardrobe in your hand. Sergeant Cuff stopped her by a very unexpected question. "'Hadn't we better make sure first,' he asked, "'that the other ladies and gentlemen in the house will consent to." "'The only other lady in the house is Miss Verinder,' answered my mistress with a look of surprise. "'The only gentlemen are my nephews, Mr. Blake and Mr. Ablewhite. There is not the least fear of a refusal from any of the three.' I reminded my lady here that Mr. Godfrey was going away. As I said the words, Mr. Godfrey himself knocked at the door to say goodbye, and was followed in by Mr. Franklin, who was going with him to the station. My lady explained the difficulty. Mr. Godfrey settled it directly. He called to Samuel through the window to take his portmanteau upstairs again, and he then put the key himself into Sergeant Cuff's hand. "'My luggage can follow me to London,' he said, when the inquiry is over. "'The sergeant received the key with a becoming apology. "'I am sorry to put you to any inconvenience, sir, for a mere formality, "'but the example of their betters will do wonders "'in reconciling the servants to this inquiry. "'Mr. Godfrey, after taking leave of my lady in a most sympathizing manner, "'left a farewell message for Miss Rachel.' the terms of which made it clear to my mind that he had not taken no for an answer, and that he meant to put the marriage question to her once more at the next opportunity. Mr. Franklin, on following his cousin out, informed the sergeant that all his clothes were open to examination, and that nothing he possessed was kept under lock and key. Sergeant Cuff made his best acknowledgments. His views, you will observe, had been met with the utmost readiness by my lady "'by Mr. Godfrey and by Mr. Franklin. "'There was only Miss Rachel now wanting to follow their lead "'before we called the servants together "'and began the search for the stained dress. "'My lady's unaccountable objection to the sergeant "'seemed to make our conference more distasteful to her than ever "'as soon as we were left alone again. "'If I send you down Miss Verinder's keys,' she said to him, "'I presume I shall have done all you want of me for the present.' "'I beg your ladyship's pardon,' said Sergeant Cuff. "'Before we begin, I should like, if convenient, to have the washing book. "'The stained article of dress may be an article of linen. "'If the search leads to nothing, "'I want to be able to account next for all the linen in the house "'and for all the linen sent to the wash. "'If there is an article missing, "'there will be at least a presumption that it has got the paint stain on it.' and that it has been purposely made away with, yesterday or today, by the person owning it. Superintendent Seagrave, added the sergeant, turning to me, pointed the attention of the women servants to the smear when they all crowded into the room on Thursday morning. That may turn out, Mr. Betteridge, to have been one more of Superintendent Seagrave's many mistakes. My lady desired me to ring the bell and order the washing book, she remained with us until it was produced in case Sergeant Cuff had any further request to make of her after looking at it. The washing book was brought in by Rosanna Spearman. The girl had come down to breakfast that morning miserably pale and haggard, but sufficiently recovered from her illness of the previous day to do her usual work. Sergeant Cuff looked attentively at our second housemaid, at her face when she came in, at her crooked shoulder when she went out. "'Have you anything more to say to me?' asked my lady, "'still as eager as ever to be out of the sergeant's society. "'The great cuff opened the washing-book, "'understood it perfectly in half a minute, "'and shut it up again. "'I venture to trouble your ladyship with one last question,' he said. "'Has the young woman who brought us this book "'been in your employment as long as the other servants?' "'Why do you ask?' said my lady. "'The last time I saw her,' answered the sergeant, She was in prison for theft. After that, there was no help for it but to tell him the truth. My mistress dwelt strongly on Rosanna's good conduct in her service and on the high opinion entertained of her by the matron at the reformatory. You don't suspect her, I hope, my lady added, in conclusion, very earnestly. I've already told your ladyship that I don't suspect any person in the house of thieving up to the present time. After that answer, my lady rose to go upstairs and ask for Miss Rachel's keys. The sergeant was beforehand with me in opening the door for her. He made a very low bow. My lady shuddered as she passed him. We waited and waited, and no keys appeared. Sergeant Cuff made no remark to me. He turned his melancholy face to the window, he put his lanky hands into his pockets, and he whistled, "'The last rose of summer,' "'softly to himself. "'At last, Samuel came in, "'not with the keys, "'but with a morsel of paper for me. "'I got at my spectacles "'with some fumbling and difficulty, "'feeling the sergeant's dismal eyes "'fixed on me all the time. "'There were two or three lines on the paper "'written in pencil by my lady. "'They informed me that Miss Rachel "'flatly refused to have her wardrobe examined, "'asked for her reasons,' "'She had burst out crying. "'Asked again, she had said, "'I won't, because I won't. "'I must yield to force if you use it, "'but I will yield to nothing else.' "'I understood my lady's disinclination "'to face Sergeant Cuff with such an answer "'from her daughter as that. "'If I had not been too old "'for the amiable weaknesses of youth, "'I believe I should have blushed "'at the notion of facing him myself. "'Any news of Miss Verinder's keys?' "'asked the sergeant.' "'My young lady refuses to have her wardrobe examined.' "'Ah,' said the sergeant. "'His voice was not quite in such a perfect state of discipline as his face. "'When he said ah, he said it in the tone of a man "'who had heard something which he expected to hear. "'He half-angered and half-frightened me, "'why I couldn't tell, but he did it. "'Must the search be given up?' I asked." "'Yes,' said the sergeant. "'The search must be given up, "'because your young lady refuses to submit to it like the rest. "'We must examine all the wardrobes in the house, or none. "'Send Mr. Abelwhite's portmanteau to London by the next train "'and return the washing-book with my compliments "'and thanks to the young woman who brought it in.' "'He laid the washing-book on the table, "'and taking out his penknife, began to trim his nails.' "'You don't seem to be much disappointed,' I said. "'No,' said Sergeant Cuff. "'I am not much disappointed.' "'I tried to make him explain himself. "'Why should Miss Rachel put an obstacle in your way?' "'I inquired. "'Isn't it her interest to help you?' "'Wait a little, Mr. Betteridge. "'Wait a little.' "'Cleverer heads than mine might have seen his drift, "'or a person less fond of Miss Rachel than I was "'might have seen his drift.' "'My lady's horror of him might, as I have since thought, "'have meant that she saw his drift, as the scripture says, in a glass darkly. "'I didn't see it yet. That's all I know.' "'What's to be done next?' I asked. Sergeant Cuff finished the nail on which he was then at work, "'looked at it for a moment with a melancholy interest, "'and put up his penknife. "'Come out into the garden,' he said, "'and let's have a look at the roses.' Chapter 14 The nearest way to the garden, on going out of my lady's sitting-room, was by the shrubbery path, which you already know of. For the sake of your better understanding of what is now to come, I may add to this that the shrubbery path was Mr. Franklin's favorite walk. When he was out in the grounds, and when we failed to find him anywhere else, we generally found him here. I am afraid I must own that I am rather an obstinate old man, The more firmly Sergeant Cuff kept his thoughts shut up from me, the more firmly I persisted in trying to look in at them. As we turned into the shrubbery path, I attempted to circumvent him in another way. As things are now, I said, if I was in your place, I should be at my wits' end. If you were in my place, answered the sergeant, you would have formed an opinion, and as things are now... Any doubt you might previously have felt about your own conclusions would be completely set at rest, never mind for the present what those conclusions are, Mr. Betteridge. I haven't brought you out here to draw me like a badger. I've brought you out here to ask for some information. You might have given it to me, no doubt, in the house, instead of out of it. But doors and listeners have a knack of getting together, and in my line of life we cultivate a healthy taste for the open air. Who was to circumvent this man? I gave in, and waited as patiently as I could to hear what was coming next. "'We won't enter into your young lady's motives,' the sergeant went on. "'We will only say it's a pity she declines to assist me, "'because by doing so she makes this investigation more difficult "'than it might otherwise have been. "'We must now try to solve the mystery of the smear on the door, which—' "'You may take my word for it. "'Means the mystery of the diamond also, in some other way. "'I've decided to see the servants "'and to search their thoughts and actions, Mr. Betteridge, "'instead of searching their wardrobes. "'Before I begin, however, I want to ask you a question or two. "'You're an observant man. "'Did you notice anything strange in any of the servants, "'making due allowance, of course, for fright and fluster, "'after the loss of the diamond was found out?' any particular quarrel among them, any one of them not in his or her usual spirits, unexpectedly out of temper, for instance, or unexpectedly taken ill? I had just time to think of Rosanna Spearman's sudden illness at yesterday's dinner, but not time to make any answer when I saw Sergeant Cuff's eyes suddenly turn aside towards the shrubbery and I heard him say softly to himself, "'Hello.' "'What's the matter?' I asked." "'A touch of the rheumatics in my back,' said the sergeant in a loud voice, "'as if he wanted some third person to hear us. "'We shall have a change in the weather before long.' "'A few steps further brought us to the corner of the house. "'Turning off sharp to the right, we entered on the terrace "'and went down by the steps in the middle into the garden below. Sergeant Cuff stopped there in the open space "'where we could see round us on every side.' About that young person, Rosanna Spearman, he said, it isn't very likely, with her personal appearance, that she's got a lover. But for the girl's own sake, I must ask you at once whether she has provided herself with a sweetheart, poor wretch like the rest of them. What on earth did he mean, under present circumstances, by putting such a question to me as that? I stared at him instead of answering him. "'I saw Rosanna Spearman hiding in the shrubbery as we went by,' said the sergeant. "'When you said hello?' "'Yes, when I said hello. "'If there's a sweetheart in the case, the hiding doesn't much matter. "'If there isn't, as things are in this house, "'the hiding is a highly suspicious circumstance, "'and it will be my painful duty to act on it accordingly.' "'What in God's name was I to say to him? "'I knew the shrubbery was Mr. Franklin's favorite walk.' "'I knew he would most likely turn that way "'when he came back from the station. "'I knew that Penelope had over and over again "'caught her fellow-servant hanging about there "'and had always declared to me "'that Rosanna's object was to attract Mr. Franklin's attention. "'If my daughter was right, "'she might well have been lying in wait "'for Mr. Franklin's return when the sergeant noticed her. "'I was put between the two difficulties "'of mentioning Penelope's fanciful notion "'as if it was mine,' or of leaving an unfortunate creature to suffer the consequences, the very serious consequences, of exciting the suspicion of Sergeant Cuff. Out of pure pity for the girl on my soul and my character, out of pure pity for the girl, I gave the sergeant the necessary explanations, and told him that Rosanna had been mad enough to set her heart on Mr. Franklin Blake. Sergeant Cuff never laughed. On the few occasions when anything amused him, he curled up a little at the corners of the lips, nothing more. He curled up now. Hadn't you better say she's mad enough to be an ugly girl and only a servant, he asked. The falling in love with the gentleman of Mr. Franklin Blake's manners and appearance doesn't seem, to me, to be the maddest part of her conduct by any means. However, I'm glad the thing is cleared up. It relieves one's mind to have things cleared up. "'Yes, I'll keep it a secret, Mr. Betteridge. "'I like to be tender to human infirmity, "'though I don't get many chances of exercising that virtue in my line of life. "'Do you think Mr. Franklin Blake hasn't got a suspicion of the girl's fancy for him? "'Ah, he would have found it out fast enough if she had been nice-looking. "'The ugly women have a bad time of it in this world. "'Let's hope it will be made up to them in another.' You've got a nice garden here and a well-kept lawn. See for yourself how much better the flowers look with grass about them instead of gravel. No, thank you. I won't take a rose. It goes to my heart to break them off the stem. Just as it goes to your heart, you know, when there's something wrong in the servants' hall. Did you notice anything you couldn't account for in any of the servants when the loss of the diamond was first found out? I had got on fairly well with Sergeant Cuff so far, but the slyness with which he slipped in that last question put me on my guard. In plain English, I didn't at all relish the notion of helping his inquiries, when those inquiries took him, in the capacity of snake in the grass, among my fellow servants. "'I noticed nothing,' I said, except that we all lost our heads together, myself included. "'Oh,' says the sergeant, "'That's all you have to tell me, is it?' "'I answered with, as I flattered myself, "'an unmoved countenance. "'That is all.' "'Sergeant Cuff's dismal eyes "'looked me hard in the face. "'Mr. Betteridge,' he said, "'have you any objection to oblige me by shaking hands? "'I have taken an extraordinary liking to you.' "'Why he should have chosen the exact moment "'when I was deceiving him "'to give me that proof of his good opinion,' "'is beyond all comprehension. "'I felt a little proud. "'I really did feel a little proud "'of having been one too many at last "'for the celebrated cuff. "'We went back to the house, "'the sergeant requesting "'that I would give him a room to himself "'and then send in the servants, "'the indoor servants only, "'one after another, "'in the order of their rank, "'from first to last. "'I showed sergeant cuff into my own room "'and then called the servants together in the hall.' "'Rosanna Spearman appeared among them, much as usual. "'She was as quick in her way as the sergeant in his, "'and I suspect she had heard what he had said to me "'about the servants in general just before he discovered her. "'There she was, at any rate, "'looking as if she had never heard of such a place "'as the shrubbery in her life. "'I sent them in, one by one, as desired. "'The cook was the first to enter the Court of Justice, "'otherwise my room. "'She remained but a short time,' Report on coming out. Sergeant Cuff is depressed in his spirits, but Sergeant Cuff is a perfect gentleman. My lady's own maid followed. Remained much longer. Report on coming out. If Sergeant Cuff doesn't believe a respectable woman, he might keep his opinion to himself, at any rate. Penelope went next. Remained only a moment or two. Report on coming out. "'Sergeant Cuff is much to be pitied. "'He must have been crossed in love, Father, when he was a young man. "'The first housemaid, followed Penelope, "'remained, like my lady's maid, a long time. "'Report on coming out? "'I didn't enter her ladyship's service, Mr. Betteridge, "'to be doubted to my face by a low police officer. "'Rosanna Spearman went next, remained longer than any of them. "'No report on coming out?' "'dead silence, and lips as pale as ashes. "'Samuel, the footman, followed Rosanna, "'remained a minute or two. "'Report on coming out. "'Whoever blacks Sergeant Cuff's boots "'ought to be ashamed of himself. "'Nancy, the kitchen-maid, went last, "'remained a minute or two. "'Report on coming out. "'Sergeant Cuff has a heart. "'He doesn't cut jokes, Mr. Betteridge, "'with a poor, hard-working girl.' "'Going into the Court of Justice when it was all over "'to hear if there were any further commands for me, "'I found the sergeant at his old trick, "'looking out of window and whistling "'the last rose of summer to himself. "'Any discoveries, sir?' I inquired. "'If Rosanna Spearman asked leave to go out,' said the sergeant, "'let the poor thing go, but let me know first. "'I might as well have held my tongue about Rosanna and Mr. Franklin. "'It was plain enough,' "'The unfortunate girl had fallen under Sergeant Cuff's suspicions "'in spite of all I could do to prevent it. "'I hope you don't think Rosanna is concerned in the loss of the diamond,' "'I ventured to say. "'The corners of the sergeant's melancholy mouth curled up, "'and he looked hard in my face, just as he had looked in the garden. "'I think I'd better not tell you, Mr. Betteridge,' he said. "'You might lose your head, you know, for the second time.' I began to doubt whether I had been one too many for the celebrated cuff after all. It was rather a relief to me that we were interrupted here by a knock at the door and a message from the cook. Rosanna Spearman had asked to go out for the usual reason, that her head was bad and she wanted a breath of fresh air. At a sign from the sergeant, I said yes. Which is the servant's way out, he asked when the messenger had gone. I showed him the servant's way out. "'Lock the door of your room,' says the sergeant, "'and if anybody asks for me, "'say I'm in there, composing my mind.' "'He curled up again at the corners of the lips "'and disappeared. "'Left alone under those circumstances, "'a devouring curiosity pushed me on "'to make some discoveries for myself. "'It was plain that Sergeant Cuff's suspicions of Rosanna "'had been roused by something that he had found out "'at his examination of the servants in my room. "'Now,' The only two servants, excepting Rosanna herself, who had remained under examination for any length of time, were my lady's own-maid and the first housemaid, those two being also the women who had taken the lead in persecuting their unfortunate fellow-servant from the first. Reaching these conclusions, I looked in on them, casually, as it might be in the servant's hall, and finding tea going forward, instantly invited myself to that meal. "'for a drop of tea is to a woman's tongue "'what a drop of oil is to a wasting lamp. "'My reliance on the teapot as an ally "'did not go unrewarded. "'In less than half an hour "'I knew as much as the sergeant himself. "'My lady's maid and the housemaid had, "'it appeared, neither of them "'believed in Rosanna's illness of the previous day. "'These two devils, I ask your pardon, "'but how else can you describe a couple of spiteful women?' had stolen upstairs at intervals during the Thursday afternoon, had tried Rosanna's door and found it locked, had knocked and not been answered, had listened and not heard a sound inside. When the girl had come down to tea and had been sent up, still out of sorts, to bed again, the two devils, aforesaid said, had tried her door once more and found it locked, had looked at the keyhole and found it stopped up, had seen a light under the door at midnight, and had heard the crackling of a fire. A fire in a servant's bedroom in the month of June, at four in the morning. All this they had told Sergeant Cuff, who, in return for their anxiety to enlighten him, had eyed them with sour and suspicious looks, and had shown them plainly that he didn't believe either one or the other. Hence the unfavorable reports of him which these two women had brought out with them from the examination. Hence also, without reckoning the influence of the teapot, their readiness to let their tongues run to any length on the subject of the sergeant's ungracious behavior to them. Having had some experience of the great cuffs roundabout ways, and having last seen him evidently bent on following Rosanna privately when she went out for her walk, it seemed clear to me that he had thought it unadvisable to let the ladies maid and the housemaid know how materially they had helped him. "'They were just the sort of women, "'if he had treated their evidence as trustworthy, "'to have been puffed up by it, "'and to have said or done something "'which would have put Rosanna Spearman on her guard. "'I walked out in the fine summer afternoon, "'very sorry for the poor girl, "'and very uneasy in my mind "'at the turn things had taken. "'Drifting towards the shrubbery some time later, "'there I met Mr. Franklin. "'After returning from seeing his cousin off at the station,' He had been with my lady, holding a long conversation with her. She had told him of Miss Rachel's unaccountable refusal to let her wardrobe be examined, and had put him in such low spirits about my young lady that he seemed to shrink from speaking on the subject. The family temper appeared in his face that evening for the first time in my experience of him. "'Well, Betteridge,' she said, "'how does the atmosphere of mystery and suspicion in which we are all living now agree with you?' "'Do you remember that morning when I first came here with the moonstone? "'I wish to God we had thrown it into the quicksand.' "'After breaking out in that way, "'he abstained from speaking again until he had composed himself. "'We walked silently, side by side for a minute or two, "'and then he asked me what had become of Sergeant Cuff. "'It was impossible to put Mr. Franklin off "'with the excuse of the sergeant being in my room composing his mind.' I told him exactly what had happened, mentioning particularly what my lady's maid and the housemaid had said about Rosanna Spearman. Mr. Franklin's clear head saw the turn the sergeant's suspicions had taken in the twinkling of an eye. Didn't you tell me this morning, he said, that one of the tradespeople declared he had met Rosanna yesterday on the footway to Frizzing Hall when we supposed her to be ill in her room? Yes, sir. If my aunt's maid and the other women have spoken the truth, you may depend on it The tradesmen did meet her. The girl's attack of illness was a blind to deceive us. She had some guilty reason for going to the town secretly. The paint-stained dress is a dress of hers, and the fire heard crackling in her room at four in the morning was a fire lit to destroy it. Rosanna Spearman has stolen the diamond. I'll go in directly and tell my aunt the turn things have taken.' Not just yet, if you please, sir, said a melancholy voice behind us. We both turned about, and found ourselves face to face with Sergeant Cuff. Why not just yet? asked Mr. Franklin. Because, sir, if you tell her ladyship, her ladyship will tell Miss Verinder. Suppose she does, what then? Mr. Franklin said those words, with a sudden heat and vehemence, as if the sergeant had mortally offended him. "'Do you think it's wise, sir,' said Sergeant Cuff, quietly, "'to put such a question as that to me at such a time as this?' "'There was a moment's silence between them. "'Mr. Franklin walked close up to the sergeant. "'The two looked at each other straight in the face. "'Mr. Franklin spoke first, dropping his voice as suddenly as he had raised it. "'I suppose you know, Mr. Cuff,' he said, "'that you are treading on delicate ground.' "'It isn't the first time, by a good many hundreds, "'that I find myself treading on delicate ground,' "'answered the other, as immovable as ever. "'I am to understand that you forbid me to tell my aunt what has happened. "'You are to understand, if you please, sir, "'that I throw up the case if you tell Lady Verinder "'or tell anybody what has happened until I give you leave.' "'That settled it. "'Mr. Franklin had no choice but to submit,' He turned away in anger and left us. I'd stood there listening to them, all in a tremble, not knowing whom to suspect or what to think next. In the midst of my confusion, two things, however, were plain to me. First, that my young lady was, in some unaccountable manner, at the bottom of the sharp speeches that had passed between them. Second, that they thoroughly understood each other without having previously exchanged a word of explanation on either side. Mr. Betteridge, says the sergeant, you've done a very foolish thing in my absence. You've done a little detective business on your own account. For the future, perhaps you'll be so obliging as to do your detective business along with me. "'He took me by the arm, and walked me away with him "'along the road by which he had come. "'I dare say I had deserved his reproof, "'but I was not going to help him to set traps for Rosanna Spearman for all that. "'Thief or no thief, legal or not legal, I don't care. I pitied her. "'What do you want of me?' I asked, shaking him off and stopping short. "'Only a little information about the country round here,' said the sergeant. I couldn't well object to improve Sergeant Cuff in his geography. Is there any path in that direction leading to the sea beach from this house? asked the sergeant. He pointed as he spoke to the fir plantation which led to the shivering sand. Yes, I said, there is a path. Show it to me. Side by side, in the gray of the summer evening, Sergeant Cuff and I set forth for the shivering sand.